you know, that's so that's so good because if we don't have a, the right idea, say about the kingdom of God, it's going to make a big difference. If we think, oh, that's that's later when I die, versus well, actually, there's there's uh, the reality of the kingdom of God is here now and, and it's expanding in in the greater glory to come, but it's here now too. Wherever Jesus is, the risen Christ, He's the King. We can be in that that heavenly realm with Him. That was Bill Galtier, and this is the Things Above podcast. My guest today is Bill Galtier, and Bill is a PhD psychologist and spiritual director, um, the author of Unforsaken with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross. He and his wife, Christy, lead the Ministry of Soul Shepherding Incorporated to cultivate intimacy with Jesus for pastors and leaders. It's a fantastic ministry. And a new book coming out in 2021, Journey of the Soul. And maybe we'll get to talk a little bit about that. Certainly we'll talk about the soul. And uh, Bill and I have a lot in common. We we both were fortunate to have learned under and studied uh, the late, great Dallas Willard. In fact, Bill has written something he calls the, a Dallas Willard Dictionary, which is is the best I've seen. It's so good. And I refer to it. I'll just go, yeah, what is exactly Dallas' definition of grace or salvation or kingdom? And I go right to to Bill. So thank you for that. So Bill, welcome. Hey, thanks, Jim. It's so fun to be on the Things Above podcast with you and just really appreciate it. We've been following you, uh, my wife, Christy, and I for uh, many years. Still remember when we were with our small group. Gosh, must have been 20 years ago or more and uh, getting out your uh, book with Richard Foster devotional classics and going oh, through man. that and just like, Oh, these books are awesome. I got to read all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And yeah. And, and you have blessed me in so many ways, your podcast, soul conversations and yet not and the dictionary, of course, but you're a great blog writer as well. You, uh, I, I love your blogs and, I thought I'd, I'd segue, I'm doing a little segue right there, because in one of your, your blogs, you talked about fear not, and mm-hmm. I think it's one of my favorite ones you wrote, but Bill, this is a challenging time. I mean, history shows humans have endured lots of hardship, you know, plagues and wars and depressions, but this one feels unique in some ways because it's, it's worldwide and what, 148 countries at least have been affected. And there's a lot of fear, a lot of worry, understandably, and sadness and depression. Our feelings are running really, really high right now. So um, let's talk about that because what you said in your blog, I love this, is that I think if I'm right, um, that phrase fear not appears like 366 times in the Bible, which, and you make the point that that's one for each day of the year, including leap year, which we just had. So, um, gosh, talk about that because fear not is, is what I want to do. And I believe it's biblical and all that sort of thing, but I also know that it's hard. And sometimes when I do feel afraid, I can feel some shame and, but I'm going to let you, cause you're an expert in all this. Just talk about that for our listeners. Yeah. So, uh, the fear not message is, is so repeated in the scriptures. Uh, the exact quote isn't 356 times, but the um, teachings uh, like that are more than that many times. So many passages that talk about fear and anxiety in the scriptures. And 
it is as a common uh, phrase to uh, you know do not fear, do not be anxious, and this sort of thing. And so, my uh, concern with this is that the way we we hear that and and uh, speak it to other people in, in our sermons and podcasts and conversations is often really not biblical and not what uh, Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, and others. Uh, and, and God, what they had in mind in saying that, because we we take that to sort of like uh, deny our our emotions of fear or anxiety, and sort of we, we sort of interpret it like a football coach, you know, be tough, be strong, mm. go get them. And that that like you um, alluded to, Jim, that that is shaming for people, especially people that are more uh, sensitive or more feelers. But but all of us, it just encourages us to push that stuff down and and act strong or stay in our heads. And that's not at all the counsel of Scripture. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, And and I know that I've been wrestling with that on a personal level because I I know that I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. There's a good Willard, you know, idea. And I know that Jesus is this, you know, person who says, you know, fear not. Um, but it's hard, right? Cause I, I also want to be authentic in my feelings and be understanding of other people's feelings and be empathetic. And it's a, it's definitely a time for being able to speak that, you know, I, I quoted Shakespeare and King Lear, the weight of this sad time, we must obey, speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. It's one of my favorite lines in all of Shakespeare, but that idea of, you know, the weight of this sad time, we have to obey it. Let's speak what we feel, not just what we ought to say. Yeah. Um, how do you do that? Like, how, how do we encourage people to speak what they feel and not just what they ought to say at a time like this? Well, I think the two things that I would say, and I like to put these two together, is one is to pray the Psalms, especially the laments which are so important in terms of articulating the range of human emotion and helping us to feel that emotion and, and to accept it without, without shame, without denying it and repressing it. And then to, to pray that emotion in ways that are integrating with uh, faith and trust in the Lord. So, so praying the Psalms, and then what I'd like to put right next to that that is not talked about uh, near enough, well, neither of these two things are, uh, but it's empathy and just being in relationship with a friend, uh, someone in the body of Christ, you know, practicing the, the love one another's of the New Testament and just uh, have a soul talk. You know, that's mm. that's really fundamental in our ministry of soul shepherding. That's what we call our podcast soul talks, because we're we're really trying to help people understand that a, a fundamental aspect of the spiritual life, discipleship to Jesus, intimacy with God, et cetera. It's body of Christ action where we're in relationship and we listen to each other. And so, uh, yeah, empathy mm. is just really big in our understanding of the spiritual life. Oh, I love your answer, both answers, right? Because what I think there's like a third of the Psalms are Psalms of Lament, which is yeah. fairly, that's pretty high. And I heard someone once say that uh, they did a study on contemporary um, praise music to look at how, what percentage of the, of that was lament. And it was like zero because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we did, we want our praise songs to be happy and upbeat yeah. and positive. And yet the Psalms, a third of them are just why Lord, where were you Lord? Yeah. Uh, my heart is aching right now. And I love that counsel bill to, to take the Psalms and 
and to praise him. Like if for someone listening that thinks I might want to do that during this time, can you be a little bit more specific how you do that personally? How do you take a psalm, especially in a time like this, and, and turn that into a prayer? Well, the most helpful thing to me, and this, this comes out of my learnings from, from Dallas, I, I remember uh, being challenged by him to, to memorize scripture. You know, he has oh, yeah. his uh, electric passages of scripture, right? You know, all of, all of the Bible's inspired, but some of it's electric. <laughs> and so when I got hold of that, that list is like, I started going through that and memorizing. And I, I literally made a, a note in my journal, you know, uh, it was a date in, I think, 2008. And it's like, okay, from this day, I'm going to begin memorizing passages of scripture. And so that's full of Psalms. And so then See, now not you seen can call that up list. that scripture anytime that. you want. Yeah. I've not, I, I know he talked a lot about, he would always say Colossians 3, yeah. um, uh, Romans 8, uh, Second, is it 2 Corinthians 13, the love passage? I think it's 2. 1 Corinthians 13. Um, oh, it's 1st. It's 1st. See, my listeners are going. Four, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did have, I love that electric passages, but. Yeah, well, we've got that on our, our uh, Soul Shepherding website. I, I added a few. Uh, I don't remember where I got I all love those that. from from him, but uh, yeah, there's like uh, at least thirty of them. So one of the ones I put on my list is Psalm 13 because that's a, that's a lament. It's uh, short. It's easy to memorize. Mm. You know, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, oh, Lord, my God. And, you know, it goes on from there. So when you've got that memorized and you, you know, I'm laying in bed and I can't sleep, you know, I call it up and I, I go through that in my mind and uh, meditate on that. And then I let the phrases form prayers. Uh, prayers for myself, prayers for people, prayers for, I was doing this last night, in fact, in bed, going through Psalm 91 and praying about mm. the deadly pestilence that we're facing yeah. right now, the, the plague yeah. that strikes at midday and praying that God would help us to take shelter under the, the wings of, of El Shaddai, uh, the almighty nurturing right. one, uh, Jesus, who opens up his, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, weeping over Jerusalem and you know, like a mother hen. And you know that's what we need now. And so my my prayers for for treatments and cures for for COVID nineteen are coming out of and being integrated with Psalm nineteen, by Psalm ninety one. Wow, that is great. That is great counsel. I'm going to do that. Thank you for that. Do I have to pay you extra for spiritual direction <laughs> right now? I, I can Venmo it to you or, or whatever that. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about. Uh, Second uh, Timothy, you know, there's that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. You know, it's a beautiful yeah. passage, but that doesn't mean just toughen up, right? I mean, because again, it's that idea. Of, well, if I'm afraid, I feel shame. Talk about that. The context of of that Second Timothy passage and and what you've gleaned from that. Yeah, well, I, I, so I often will just go back and do Bible study for many different reasons. I, I always want to get my thinking uh, inspired by and anchored in, in God's word. But, you know, this is a, a famous passage that we all love and, and we're uh, calling on right, right now in, the, in these coronavirus times. Uh, of course, you know, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity but, or, or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, 
and, and of self-discipline or, or of a sound mind, as another translation puts it. And so, I mean, these are great words, very encouraging, very helpful, uh, activating. However, what sort of brought me back to kind of restudy that passage was just recently sort of listening to the way I was hearing some people use that. And, and it was in that mentality of sort of like, you know, don't have any scared feelings, don't be insecure, don't have any anxious feelings. Uh, just, you know, just buck up, just, just, just be tough here. You know, go get them guys. Come on. And, and it's like, that is not helpful to people. And that, that is not the heart of the Bible. And it's not the heart of Paul. It's not the heart of Paul for Timothy. So when you go into second Timothy one and you sort of look at that, I, I made these asterisks in my Bible and it's like, and, and then I, the note I put in there was empathy precedes fear not. Mm. And, I, I haven't gone through and studied all the fear nots in the Bible, but I, I bet if we did that, it, we, it would, we would find these sorts of connections in many instances that are, are right there. But so in Second Timothy one, you know, Paul's offering Timothy, and through Timothy, uh, all of us, the, the promise of life. He's offering grace, mercy, and peace. And and, and right there, there's like some some of the soft skills of of care uh, are implicit there in in his tones. But then he really gets into an empathetic posture when he, he says, you know, Timothy, I've been, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And you just mm. thinking, you know, well, what would Paul be praying for Timothy? I mean, you can't imagine he's praying, oh, you know, God help Timothy to be, be tough, help him to buck up, help him not to have any, any fears, any, any, any weakness, uh, help him to just always be, be, be bold and, and running full steam ahead and, you know, you, you would know that he would be attending to things that Timothy feels. And so then sure enough, the next thing he says, um, he, he says, I'm recalling your tears uh, mm. and I long to see you. And he's talking about when, when they were, were parting and, and the grief of that and just the, the tenderness there. Uh, then he's affirming him for his sincere faith and drawing on the connection to his grandmother and his mother who are precious to him. And so, you know, there's just more... Uh, compassionate, uh, tender-hearted connecting there. And that, then he's urging him to fan into flame the, the gift of, of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, you know, the power of touch. Wow. And yeah. how much we need that right now in these days of social distancing, right? Hmm. To, to, to touch. Yeah. But then when we can't physically touch, well, how about the touch of the soul, the, the touch of faith? And so it's in this context that then he says, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm. Oh, that is so good. Man, I'm going to, now I want to go back and look at all those, those, those fear knots and, and empathy precedes that. I think, so, I mean, the most famous one that comes to mind to me is, um, is in the, the Annunciation, right? In Luke 1 with Mary and Gabriel says right away, fear not. And I, I, and we don't know exactly what, what the empathy might be, but I'm guessing he, the angel knew, right? This is, this is, she's going to be, well, first of all, freaking out to see me, right? An angel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the angels always begin with fear not because you've just scared them. Uh, and that, that reminds me of a, of a side note. One time Dallas and I were, um, it was at Mater Dolorosa, the, that beautiful. Yeah, I've been there with Dallas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, outside there's that uh, fountain with this you know, cherub-like angel, like a, like a chubby baby angel. Uh -huh. And Dallas, he just was chuckling about it. I said, what do you, what, what's in your, on your mind? And he was like, 
isn't it interesting that we we depict these angels like these sweet little babies, you know, uh, because the angels were actually so frightening that the mm-hmm. first thing they had to say was fear not. But yeah, I, I never thought about that until you just said it, Bill, that maybe, maybe Gabriel was a- anticipating with empathy um, what Mary would experience. And in that, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, well, I believe that Gabriel was, and uh, and that certainly the Lord was. And so, one, one example that one one of our blogs is uh, Elizabeth's empathy cured Mary's shame, and mm. you know, and that's on, on the idea that Mary must have battled with some temptations to embarrassment and uh, feeling humiliated because everybody was looking at her like she's wearing this the scarlet right. letter A. Uh, for adulteress. And so, you know, she knew that she was, was righteous in this, but, you know, feelings don't just operate on facts. Other things that we experience. And so the Lord uh, sets up Mary with her older cousin, Elizabeth, and they have this connection and, and it's tactile and it's, they're sharing their hearts and their experiences and they're both pregnant and and the older cousin is pregnant first, and it's both by a miracle, and they're sharing their stories, and they're resonating around that, and they're they're praying together. And so there, there's so much implicit empathy going on there in that account. And and that, again, that's the Lord's tenderness for Mary to help her in this time. Mm. Yeah, that, that that's right. And that's a, another example. It's one of the many things I love about the Bible is it's it's so real. It's so earthy. There's not a wasted word in the scriptures. Every little thing um, is teaching so, so much. Well, okay. You mentioned something about, you know, the Lord being empathetic and certainly, but, um, Jesus was a person who, who demonstrated peace and, uh, you don't see him ever getting ruffled in a way. Um, you know, obviously there's the the great story of the storm, uh, on the lake and his disciples are freaking out with this that they think it's over and he there he is walking on water but um what was it about jesus because he was fully human right fully human fully divine but fully human what was the secret of jesus peace why why was he able to be a person who was peaceful in a storm yeah well so i think to understand matthew 14 where we've got jesus walking on water in the storm uh, you know, saying, you know, fear not, take courage, you know, it's I, I am. Uh, and, and then Peter actually walks on water to Jesus there. Incredible story. I, we, putting that in context with the other storm at sea f- for the disciples in, in the boat there. And and that's where Jesus is taking a nap in the boat. And, oh, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, this is my uh, Bible study and thinking about this, again, is inspired by Dallas's teaching on this passage, but what we will miss in that story of Jesus calming the storm is is the hidden miracle that takes place first, which is that Jesus is calm in the storm. And so this is Jesus napping in the boat while the storm is raging. And so I just think, you know, we just really need to see this like and like place ourselves there. So if we could just imagine ourselves in that passage and you know, here we are, you know, uh, burly, uh, seasoned uh, sailor men. And, you know, we, we know how to navigate the, the, uh, the waters and rough waters and, you know, experienced and, and all that. But uh, this is like the worst gale storm ever. And, 
And so here we are, we're, you know, we're freaking out because it's just, it's thunder and lightning and the rain is just swamping the boat and waves are, are splashing in and, and swamping us. And, and we, we can't control the boat. And even though there's 12 of us and we're, we're panicking and we're like, we're, we're going down. And, you know, in the midst of all this uh, panic and shivering cold, there's Jesus napping. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. and so you just got to sort of ask yourself, so what, what's going on there? And I mean, one possibility is that Jesus is faking it, right? He's like, he's just kind of pretending to sleep, but he knows he's the son of God and he's going to calm it, but he's just sort of testing them to see how, how they're going to deal with this. And yeah, I mean, that could be, but Jesus doesn't strike me as a poser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's so authentic. I, I right. just don't think he would fake something like that. And I think that's sort of an interpretation, which I think is back of our minds a lot of times when we, we sort of speak about this uh, story and this miracle, uh, but that it, it diminishes the humanity of Christ, like you mentioned just a minute ago, Jim. So if Jesus truly is tempted in every way that we are, as Hebrews 4 says, and if he truly had to grow in wisdom and stature and in grace, as Luke says, uh, then he's feeling the storm. He's feeling wet and cold, and he's feeling the danger, and he's probably being tempted with anxiety and fear. And yet he's at peace. He's calm. And so what's happening there? I think he's resting in Abba's arms. I think mm -hmm. he's trusting the boat to the sovereign Lord God. And I, I think he, he's, we're under God's care. And he's probably confident that, that the Father's not going to let them drown. He might be willing to bob around in the water and hang on to a plank if, if need be. I think he's just not, I think he's not worrying about it. He's, mm. he's not letting it control him. Yeah, right. Because I think, I think I heard you, maybe as a blog or something, you talk about just in, in John's gospel alone, like 50 times we, we see Jesus, uh, you know, trusting and relying on the Father. Is, is that right? You said something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, Jesus that... acting under the orders of the Father. You know, I only yeah. do what I see the Father doing, that sort of thing is just repeated over and over and over again, especially in John's gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's real important that we look at Jesus as the first disciple. So he doesn't yeah. ask, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already tried and found to be wonderful. Mm. And so he's a disciple of the Father. And so he's putting himself in a posture of submission and trust to to the Father as they're in that storm. And so he's at peace and his body is at peace. So when he wakes up, and now, I mean, he probably wasn't so deeply sleeping that he was oblivious of the storm. He's probably mm -hmm. in some in-between state of total sleep and some degree of uh, 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 awareness. Uh, so he, he's, now he's, he's woken up, he deals with the storm, he says, peace, be still. And what he's doing is he's speaking the peace of God that's in his body, and he's speaking it into the storm, and then it gets into the disciples mm. when they see, you know, everything is calm. Now, I mean, in between there, they're scared of Jesus, the Son of God, like, oh, oh, oh what did you just do? It's like, oh, my God, God's in the boat. Everybody run for cover. It's like they're more scared of Jesus in the storm for a moment there. And that's the kind of situation where Jesus would say, hey, fear not, guys. I'm nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. that's kind of what the angels are saying you know back to the angels saying fear yeah. not but the point is hey i love you 
I'm yeah. not here to hurt you. Yeah, I know. I'm like huge and glorious and like shining like fire and, and I can incinerate you in a second, but I'm not going <laughs> to do that. I'm, I'm kind. I'm gentle. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I love that. He, he, the peace was in him first, then in the storm, then in the disciples. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, Bill, uh, you know, this is called the things above podcast, which is Colossians three, two, set your minds on things above. Yeah. So, and, and one of the central, um, power words, I call them power narratives that, um, I've talked a lot about on this podcast and, and it's a, an amalgamation of some Dallas ideas, but that is, um, we live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. And I've heard you use the phrase, which I really like being anchored in the kingdom of God, which is mm-hmm. great. But here's, this is kind of a tough question. I'm going to throw you a little harder one. Are you ready? Go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. I, I, okay, I Dallas, and I know you know he said this because this is one of those ones he said many, many times. And for me, it was one of the hardest things to believe when I heard him say it was, for those who are alive in the kingdom of God, the world is a perfectly safe place to be. And I just remember when he said it and I looked at him, I looked at the 40 folks in our class and their jaws were on the table and, and people, you know, sort of pushed back, but he said it many times for those alive in the kingdom of God, the world is a perfectly safe place to be. Um, I guess here's what I want to ask. We know on one level, the world is not a perfectly safe place to be. You obviously work with in, in counseling and in therapy with people who have been abused uh, suffered trauma, who who would say, "Hey, it wasn't safe for me when I was being, you know, harmed." Uh, talk about being anchored in the kingdom, and how you, as a counselor, talk about this world being safe or being anchored in this safe space to people who have been hurt. Um, I'll just let you run with that. Yeah. Well, so an example: we work with a lot of pastors, and I was had a pastor in my office, and his church was going through a. a a split and it was just tearing apart his soul and he ended up uh, losing his position. And so in the middle of middle, middle of that, and I had a number of conversations with him. And one of these conversations, I said this to him, I said, uh, you know, the world's a perfectly safe place to be. Paused a little bit. And I said, you know, as long as you're with Jesus in the father's world. And he just began to weep and weep. And uh, he had some, I wouldn't have said that if there hadn't been a particular context that I had with him, mm. but he then began to uh, say, I just so want, want to know that inside. I know that that's true intellectually, but I just, I'm not experiencing that. I'm so scared. I'm so anxious. And so, you know, we began to talk from there. But it's this tension between, uh, the way I heard Dells talk about this that really resonated for me was he talked about we're bi-habitational creatures. So I like to just think about the, like the turtles, because we live by a lake, we have lots of turtles in there, and those turtles uh, can live in the water and they can live on the land. They like can breathe in both places. They got two habitats. And so we are bihabitational. We are made to live in two habitats. We're made to live in this physical world in our physical bodies, and we're made to live in the spiritual world of the kingdom of heavens. And we we forget that spiritual world part of it, and that we're actually meant to bring our embodied lives into that spiritual reality and then learn to live in all situations from the spiritual reality. So, and that's, that's what you're teaching on, you know, here in your, your, your 
uh, things about podcasts, Jim, and your, your books, and you know, you know, how do we do this? And so, I think what what uh, Soul Shepherding might bring to the conversation is sort of a, a psychological angle on that, or, mm-hmm. or or understanding about that, because it's, this is not like just a matter of like our thinking. I mean, that that is critical. So another Dallas quote here that would be helpful, I think, is he he would say, you know, we live at the mercy of our ideas. And, and, you know, that's so that's so good, because if we don't have a, the right idea, say, about the kingdom of God, it's going to make a big difference if we think, mm. oh, that's that's later when I die versus, well, actually, there's there's uh, the reality of the kingdom of God is here now and, and it's expanding in, in the greater glory to come. But it's here now too. wherever Jesus is, the risen Christ, he's the king. We can be in that that heavenly realm with him. Mm. And so. Uh, getting those thoughts integrated into how we live, those ideas, is, is crucial. But we sort of like have a little add-on to Dallas's quote there, and we say, "Yeah, we live at the mercy of our ideas." And then we say, "And most of those ideas are unconscious and laden with emotion, because hmm. we yeah. we got to get at that stuff that we're not conscious of. It's like in our body, it's in our personality, it's how we're operating habitually. But we're not realizing it. You know, we call that." personality, especially in the Enneagram model, we, we got to get at that unconscious stuff that we're not really thinking about, we're not dealing with and, and feeling about and working through. And then we, we got we to get into those emotions that are, are there also, because those are, are huge influencers on, on our will and our whole personality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And that's so good. I, I love the, the bi-habitational idea. And, you know, I think what, what Dallas, cause I pushed him a lot about this. I mean, he, he didn't, he wasn't sort of being glib or, you know, not acknowledging the, the pain and suffering and harm that people face in this world. But, but, but saying what you said, which is that if you are alive in the kingdom of God, uh, that is unshakable. That kingdom is unshakable. And ultimately God um, gets the last word. So even if we have and people do, and I know you experiencing in your your uh, counseling quite a lot. You, you know, someone's come to you with a trauma, an abuse, and they may be saying, "Where was God? Like, where was God in that moment?" And I have some thoughts on that, but I'd love to hear yours. Like, where where was God in that? Because uh, that's where it's hard for me to go. Hey, the world's a perfectly safe place to be, and someone says, "Yeah, but when I was being abused by a parent, when I was, you know, whatever." Um, how do you help people with that or, or frame that in light of all you're saying, which I think is fantastic, but in an actual context, how do you, how do you frame that? Maybe that's the yeah. wrong question, but. Uh, thanks for, for pushing this deeper, Jim. It's, it's so wise and helpful because we, we got to get at this level. So with that pastor going through the church split, you know, I didn't, I didn't say the kingdom of God is unshakable as like a first response to his suffering you know, hours of empathy mm. that preceded that, all the more with the uh, woman who's been abused. And uh, I've talked with many people like that, men and women, and it's very much shaped our, our understanding of discipleship. And so you, you, context is everything. And so particularly in a situation where you're, you're helping someone who's hurting or a friend is sharing with you over coffee and they're being vulnerable, we want to listen, and then we want to uh, listen with our our words, our our mouths, by speaking words of empathy, speaking w- 
putting words to what we're hearing somebody say, what, what their emotions seem to be, what, what their questions are, be, being, being curious with a caring heart. And so, you know, that, that's where we begin. And then as we listen prayerfully, there are opportunities, particularly for, for skilled listeners. You know, one of the things that we do in Soul Shepherding is part of our, our institute training program is we have a certificate track in spiritual direction where, where somebody can earn a certificate in spiritual direction. And so it's a, a huge uh, skill to, to learn and to develop and, and to practice and to get supervision on around how we listen to people, how we do that prayerfully, how we use words of empathy, the ministry of spiritual hospitality, how we journey with people. And then within that context of, of relationship, that we gently guide them along in their discipleship to Jesus, in their utilization of spiritual disciplines. Mm, that is so good. Well, I know from my own experience, I mean, my spiritual director is uh, is a soul saver for me. And uh, gosh, Bill, this this discussion is so great. I, I just know many listening are going to say, have that guy back. So mm. um, will you come back if I uh, twist your arm or I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, hey, I'd love to do that. This is so, man, so fun to talk with uh, you. It's so people. fun. It's so fun. You know, I feel like you're my my brother, my spiritual brother, because we have uh, this lineage in our own um, growth and our own discipleship. So it's yeah. so, so great, Bill. You are a blessing on so many levels. Thank you to you and to Christy, the, the ministry that you guys have. And we definitely want to have our folks um, know all about what you're doing because it's, it's, uh, it's first rate that the work you guys are doing. So do go to, um, well, give, give, give the, uh, the, the web address where you want people to go. Yeah. Soulshepherding.org. And particularly in these times of coronavirus, we have a page there, soul care and coronavirus. And that's filled with specific, uh, links to podcasts, uh, from our soul talks podcast, uh, blogs, and a, a number of resources, uh, like the, like the fear knots in the Bible, like the uh, meditation on uh, Rembrandt's painting of the disciples in, in the storm with Jesus in, in the boat and many different resources to bring the peace of Christ in these tr- troubled times and to help you not only in your devotional life, but in your ministry to others. Mm, it's so good. Yeah, you, you've been doing just great work for a long time. And I thank you for being with me on the Things Above podcast, having this conversation. So blessings, man. And let's do this again. Blessings to you, Jim. All right. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this Things Above conversation with Bill Galt here. I know I did. And if you want to check out some of the resources that we talked about on this episode, you can go to apprenticeinstitute.org. And I hope you join me next time for episode 71. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast also at apprenticeinstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>